0: Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Have you ever said a prayer to God that goes something like this Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, show me what your will is. I, I want to I follow your plan for my life. I surrender my life to you. I, I want to do what you want. Just show me what I'm supposed to do. It's a wonderful moment when a soul comes humbly before the Lord and begs God for clarity, for guidance in his life, and, and a desire to serve God with their life. It's a wonderful thing. But I got to tell you, it's not enough. It's a wonderful thing to have an open heart to God's will. And we should all have that. But ultimately, God wants to act. He wants us to allow him to act in our lives. When he does make clear his will, will we actually do it? It's one thing, again, to say, Lord, just show me your will, but be careful. Because if you say a prayer like that, he may call you on it. And he may invite you to do something that's difficult, do something that's demanding. He may invite you to do something you're scared to do, you're afraid to do. But will you still say yes That's the crucial step that we're called to take in our discipleship with the Lord. And I want to talk to you about one great saint. It's really my favorite saint, and I know it's probably your favorite saint too. The Blessed Virgin Mary models this for us because in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 38, at the climax of the Annunciation scene, Mary doesn't just say she's open to God's will. When God's will is clearly revealed to her, She gives a wholehearted yes in her fiat. She says, "'Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, "'the handmaiden of the Lord. "'Be it done unto me according to your word.'" Now, what I want to do here is unpack those words of Mary as a great biblical model for the response God wants all of us to have in following him. And I'm going to be sharing some reflections from my brand new book on Mary. It's called Rethinking Mary in the New Testament. It just came out with Ignatius Press and the Augustine Institute. And I'm so excited. This is a a project I've been working on for many, many years. It's a, a consideration of every single New Testament reference to Mary. So if you love Mary, Mary, you may want to check out this book, Rethinking Mary in the New Testament. It's um, it's basically trying to answer the questions people have about Mary. Many people say, you know, Mary's not there a lot in the New Testament. We, She only appears a few times. She only has a few lines. Why do you Catholics make such a do about Mary? And I think those questions are fair. But what I do in the book is show how every line, every word in reference to Mary is packed with so much meaning, Old Testament prophecies, significance about the first, first century Jewish expectations, key words that are used in the various gospel writers to to, to make a certain point about Mary here. If we can really take the New Testament seriously and and, and find that in just one word, one word can tell us a lot about the Blessed Virgin Mary. It'll shed a lot of light on who she is, her role in the Christian life, and the relationship God wants us to have with her, and how she leads us closer to her son. But today, in this episode, I'm just going to consider those closing words of Mary at the Annunciation scene. And what's fascinating is this, just to consider this, uh, there are many times angels appear to certain characters in the Old Testament, or God himself comes and appears to people like Moses and Abraham. But what's fascinating is God always has the last word. God or God's messenger, the angel, has the last word. But did you notice in the Annunciation to Mary, who has the last word in that scene? It's Mary. Mary's the only person who gives the last word in the dialogue between God and the person being called, or the angel and the person being called. Unlike Moses, unlike Abraham, unlike Gideon, unlike all these other Old Testament heroes, Mary has the last word in this announcement scene. Uh, and, and, and I think the Bible's trying to highlight just how important these words are as a model for us. If we want to be faithful disciples like Mary, we don't just want to be open to God's will. We want to give a wholehearted yes to God's will. We want God to act in our lives. And that's what we're going to see here. So let's take take a look at these words here. So Mary says, Behold, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. Now that word handmaiden, that's a common English translation. Uh, the Greek word is doule, and the Greek word could mean handmaiden. You could translate it servant, but literally it means slave. It means slave, and it brings to mind a whole series of Old Testament heroes like Moses and Joshua and Solomon and David, who called themselves slaves of the Lord. the The people of Israel, the people of Israel, were called slaves of the Lord. Uh, the great heroine Hannah in the Old Testament, the mother of Samuel, she calls herself a a slave of the Lord. So this word is very important, but it's uncomfortable to modern listeners. I have to be honest with you. There's a lot of people that feel uncomfortable with that word slave. We think of it as something negative. I remember one time I was giving a presentation to a group of deacons in Michigan, and I was presenting on Our Lady, and we came to this passage, and all of a sudden a hand went up. In the middle of my lecture, there was them that just raised their hand, and then they just interrupted. They said, excuse me, excuse me, I'm not comfortable with that word, <laughs> so I just explained how the word "doulae" literally means slave. And all of a sudden, this deacon just says, I, "I'm not comfortable with that word, slave. It, it sounds so restrictive. Like I'm being forced to follow God. I think we should should lovingly follow God. We freely choose to follow Him. We're not called to be slaves. I don't like that word," <laughs> and, and I kind of laughed and I, I said, "I know where you're coming from, but I got to be honest with you. Uh, this isn't my word. It's God's word. It, it's ultimately Mary's word. Let's try." to understand it from her perspective and from the biblical perspective. It's true. When we use the word slave today, many people think of it as like, you know, slavery, oppression. But that's not how these Old Testament heroes viewed the, this word. That's how St. Paul describes himself as a slave of Christ Jesus. and uh, They're not viewing it in a negative sense. I want you to think of it as the slave of a lover. the sla- The slavery of a lover. When someone is so in love they can't help but want to be near their beloved. They can't help but want to serve the needs of their beloved. They're doing it out of love. Uh, And I think it's really hard in our modern American setting because we in the United States and most, uh, I know I have listeners in Australia and Ireland overseas as well, Canada. So I think I can say this, not just the United States, but all the Western world, we prize freedom, don't we? We put a high stake on freedom. Freedom is so valuable. And what we mean by freedom, though, in our modern Western world is a very individualistic understanding of freedom. It means this. I want to be free to do whatever I want. I want to be free from any government controlling me or my parents telling me what to do or some church telling me what to do. I'm free to do whatever I want with my life. So you hear how self-centered the modern notion of freedom really is. And 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 I, I want to be able to do what I want, when I want, how often I want. It's my life. Let me do what I want with it. Don't tell me what to do. That's the modern notion of freedom. And we want to be careful as Christians not to breathe in that model of freedom. We want to follow the biblical model of freedom. Because modern Western freedom is is all about just doing what I want. And when I'm always doing what I want, when I want, how I want, as often as I want, I'm not really free. I'm a slave. I'm actually a slave to my own self-interest, my own selfish desires, my own comfort. It's not easy for me to make sacrifices for other people. It's not easy for me to make my life a gift in service to my God and to my family and to my country because I'm always just doing what I want. That's what the modern notion of freedom trains people in, self-centeredness. Mary rises above that. Mary rises above her own self-interest and she sees that her life is not her own. She sees that her life was bought with a price. She sees that her life is meant to be a gift to God and to others. So when Mary calls herself a servant, a slave of the Lord, she she's doing it out of love. She's saying, Lord, I, I want to use my life for your purposes because I know your plan is so good. And it's going to be good for me and good for the world and good for the church. And, and so think of it again like the slavery of lovers. Have you seen two people fall in love? they can't help but want to be together all the time, right? They, they just always want to be together. And you can look at them and say, oh, how pathetic. Look at that young couple. They're like slaves. They always have to be together. But it's love that's driving them. And that's what's on Mary's heart. That's what we have revealed here in Luke one thirty-eight. a little window into Mary's soul. And we see a woman who is so in love with her God. It's as if she, 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 she's like a lover who sees what's on the heart of her beloved and she just wants to run after it. That's what lovers do. And when you fall in love with someone else, you find yourself just wanting to be with them and do what they like and serve their needs and be interested in what they're interested in because you just love them. And that's what Mary is. Mary has, like a lover, she sees what's on her beloved's heart. God has revealed this is the plan. She is to be the mother of the Messiah, the mother of the Holy Son of God, conceived this child as a virgin by the power of the Holy Spirit. And she responds with a wholehearted yes of a lover. Yes, Lord, if this is what you want, is if this is what's on your heart, I want that too. I want to run after that. Because God, my life is not about me. It's not about my own purposes and my own dreams and my own plans. I want my life to be used to serve your purposes, your dreams, your plans, Lord. And, and, and my question is this for all of us here. Do we as Christians have that attitude like Mary did of a heart that's totally in love with God that wants to do God's will I want to challenge this here because I know that many times, I've done this in my own life, I, I like to put parameters around God's will. <laughs> I say I want to do God's will. I'll, God, I'll do anything, anything for you except this, 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 and this. <laughs> you know, God, I'll, I'll follow you anywhere except this city and this city and work at this parish or take on this job or this responsibility. <laughs> you know, we, we put all these parameters around God's will. We want to follow God's will, kind of. We want to follow God's will if it's not too uncomfortable for me. We want to follow God's will if it's interesting enough for me. Uh, And that's dangerous. Jesus is looking for souls that are willing to follow him unconditionally. This is what God will do amazing things in our lives and through our lives in the world if we totally yield ourselves or yield or surrender our will to him like Mary did. Mary did not set up parameters around God's will. She didn't say, well, I'll be the mother of the Messiah under these conditions. If I can stay in Nazareth, and I can still be with Joseph, and I can do this and do this and do this. No, no, no. She just said yes. (laughs) Now, God did allow her to stay in Nazareth, at least for a little while. She had to go to Bethlehem eventually, and then go off to Egypt. So her life got pretty tumultuous in saying yes. Uh, It didn't didn't mean everything was going to be easy. Uh, and she still was with Joseph, and there were many blessings that came to her in following God's will here. But there were also many crosses. There were times where there was darkness, times where she's not sure where this is all going. On Good Friday, she has to surrender her son all the way uh, there at Calvary, surrendering him as he's dying on the cross. So, following God's will can be challenging. It can involve darkness. It can involve the cross. And yet, Mary's greatest joy came through saying yes all throughout her life, not just there at Nazareth, but all the way through the cross as she was reunited with her son in the resurrection and reunited with him forever in heaven in her assumption. So will we dare to say yes like Mary did, a wholehearted fiat? Do we view ourselves as just, well, I'll serve Lord when it's convenient for me, (laughs) or am I really willing to be true doula, a slave of the Lord, to see my life is not my own. It was bought with a price. It is meant to be used not for my purposes, but for God's. Do I wake up every morning and say, God, how can I serve you today? How can I serve you and my spouse? How can I serve you and my children? How can I serve you in my parish or in my coworkers or in my neighborhood? How can I use my life To serve your purposes. Too often we as Christians go to God in the morning and say, Hey God, here's the five things I want to get done today. Can you bless this and help me with this and help me uh, get good at this? Uh, Nothing wrong. We should keep bringing those petitions to God. He wants that. He loves that when we do that. But do we have that underlying attitude like Mary did of being a handmaiden of the Lord, a servant of the Lord, indeed a slave of the Lord? Do we wake up in the morning each day and say, Lord, how can I use my life today to serve your purposes? not just my own. Thank you so much, my friends, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to learn more about the biblical Mary, check out my brand new book, Rethinking Mary in the New Testament, published by Ignatius Press and the Augustine Institute. Uh, You can find it. If you go to the Ignatius Press website, it's available there right now. I've gotten some copies from them. It's not available on Amazon just yet, so go to Ignatius Press. uh, Check that out. Uh, It's a walk through every New Testament reference to the Blessed Virgin Mary. If you have any questions on today's episodes or any else, you can reach me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also find me on my website, edwardsri.com. God bless.